0: The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Mirrodin Besieged is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order Mirrodin Besieged today.
1: You've got
2: the money.
0: Hey everybody, and welcome to episode number forty-nine of YOMTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco on the line, of course, with Bighead Joe. Hi, I'm Bighead Joe. <laughs> well, that was really. <laughs> Your voice sounded really weird. I know. <laughs> uh, we we have a heck of a lot to talk about today. Uh, the World Championships in Chiba, Japan, were just this past weekend, and there's a lot of stories just out of that. Um, we also are going to announce our contest winners. And uh, a little bit later, we're going to have an interview for you. All right, so let's move on to the world's coverage. Uh, yep. First, I have an issue with this, uh, the title. Have you seen the title? It's There's No Jace Like Guillaume. no.
2: Is, the- oh, is that – I was trying to figure out what the hell that even meant.
0: Right. It's supposed to be like There's No Place Like Home, you know, a play on words. There's No Jace Like Guillaume. Um. For one, that's kind of a stretch. Um, a lot of people, I think, are like, what does that mean? Um, and even when you realize what it means, he, Guillaume Matignon, who is the winner of Worlds, uh, is not from Chiba, Japan, as far as I know. So what I – j- I just think that one was a bit of a stretch. But anyway, I, I, I usually love that kind of thing. I, you know, I find those kind of things entertaining, the puns and, and plays on words. But uh, this one, I think, is just a fail –
2: <clears throat> That's awful, yeah. It took me... Yeah, if if, if, I, if I'm still, like, having to think about it... <laughs> yeah. ...after you just described it, I'm like, no, this is really dumb. <laughs>
0: so, uh, first up, of course, in uh, every year at Worlds, the Hall of Fame is inducted. The newest members are inducted into the Hall of Fame, and this year it was Brian Kibler, Gabriel Nassif, and Bram Snepvangers. Um, interestingly... Brian Kibler was 9-0 and on day one, threatening to be the first Hall of Fame inductee to make top eight on the weekend of their induction, but he went 1-7-1 and one from there. Uh, uh, according to him, it was bad matchups and costly mistakes, but uh, he was uh, undefeated in the standard portion. Once he went to extended, it just, uh, you know, it, the wheels fell off.
2: What was he trying to play in extended?
0: I'm not sure. Um, I'm actually curious about that, too. They don't really publish the... Uh, zero-point deck lists from Extended, you know? <laughs> like, the the worst deck lists in Extended. But uh, I'm sure he will uh, he will mention it in his article on Star City. Right. So the top eight of this event, uh, the top eight was standard. It was uh, Paulo Vidor Dama de Rosa playing Blue Black Control, Lova Yanza playing Mono Green Eldrazi, uh, Guillaume Wafo Tapa playing Blue Black Control, Guillaume Matignon playing Blue Black Control, Eric Frolik, who is uh, the lone American in the top eight, playing black red vampires. Lucas Jaklovsky playing blue black control. Uh, Christopher Wolf playing blue black control, and Jonathan Randall playing blue white control. So, <laughs> quite I-, I don't know uh, this to me. I was super surprised at this top eight um, at the, the, the deck lists, not the players. Um, actually. Paulo Vitor Dama de Rosa, this was his second Pro Tour Top 8 this year. He, of course, won uh, a Pro Tour this year. Uh, Guillaume Wafotapa, again, his second Pro Tour Top 8 this year. Guillaume Matignon, also second Pro Tour Top 8 this year. So those guys, you know, consistent, Shh. consistently at the top this year. Like That's impressive. Pretty impressive, yeah. But uh, sh- more shocking to me is is these decks. I mean, it was Mono Green Aljazi black-red vampires, and then a bunch of control decks, only one of which was blue-white. Okay, coming off of last weekend, Star City Richmond, the word around there was the good decks were Valakut, red-blue-green, or black-blue-green, you know, the rug and bug decks, uh, and some people were talking about blue-white control. Blue-black control was being treated like leftovers from Thanksgiving, you know? And, uh, you know, to be fair, these are slightly different than the blue-black lists that were winning uh, in the hands of Nick Spagnolo earlier in the season. Um, There's no Trinket Mage package in these, and all of them are playing Grave Titan. Um, Yeah. Main, basically. Grave Titan is is now, you know, we were talking with Evan Irwin last week, and we were talking about the Titans uh, in Standard and how it's kind of like Primeval Titan- it's like a wheel and primeval titans in the center, you know, because it's it's the big titan and, and everything kind of revolves around it, but otherwise all the other titans just click over. It's like that the format just changes and the wheel turns and now there's another titan, you know, at the top besides primeval titan. So the wheel has turned, you know, the uh grave titan is now the top titan. You know, it it was it's just amazing how these titans are just such good cards and just keep Like, I I find it fascinating that there's a different one at the top every couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty amazing. So, uh, I hadn't played with Grave Titan before, but, um, you know, obviously he's a good card, but I hadn't actually tried him until this weekend. I was playing with him, and wow, that card is... That card is... You feel really powerful when you play a Grave Titan. You're just like, it doesn't even matter what they have out. I mean... At least it seems that way. You play Grave Titan and get the two zombies, and it's basically like they need to cast Day of Judgment or All is Dust you know, to even have a chance to, to deal with your Titan. Right. Um, I mean, and then the next turn you attack with – you can attack with everything because you know what? You end up still having two chump blockers left back. It's just ridiculous. Yep. It is absolutely nuts. I mean, it's so hard to come back from. Um, so, yeah, that, that was the, the – big breakout card of the tournament. Um, But I was just shocked to see how many blue-black control lists. Uh, The other thing to keep in mind, though, is um, although these obviously are all good decks, there were other formats in between. For example, we just mentioned Brian Kibler, who was uh, undefeated on day one, and he was playing blue-white control. So obviously that's a great standard list. Of course, he's a great player as well. Um, But, you know, he fell apart in the subsequent formats um these guys may have not performed as well in the standard portion um but then did very well on the next couple days to make top eight so maybe you know it's kind of a weird a weird dynamic there with with the top eight lists from worlds because it's multiple formats
2: Mm -hmm. it's tough to determine like you know which decks actually caused that yeah
0: Right, so, right because out of these eight decks, are these the top standard decks? No, they're, they're, they're the standard decks that were played in the top eight. Right. And so it's actually not clear. Um, so, so speaking of Brian Kibler, his deck was kind of a, a breakout hit of the tournament as well. Although it is pretty much classic blue-white control, uh, it doesn't play any creatures except for four Squadron Hawks which uh which was definitely something that people were surprised with, I mean no Titans in the list, um, no creatures in the uh in the sideboard either, so it 's four squadron hawks and he 's going to win with with those or with jace or with uh celestial colonnade or Gideon um, Gideon was another breakout star of the uh, of day one anyway um, he was i think he was uh mm, about seventeen tickets on moto uh, uh, last week and now he's i think pushing 30 hmm. so that's pretty nuts um the reason i suddenly know moto prices is i've been playing on moto which we'll get into uh probably on another episode yeah um but yeah i've been uh keeping uh keeping john medina in business anyway uh, 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 uh. keeping him busy getting me cards um he's helping me out a lot so uh shout out to john medina um but yeah, the the cool thing about Kibler's list, uh, or or one of the cool things, is it was called Caw Call Go, yeah, which which is just a great name for a deck. Um, the Squadron Hawks are really interesting because they can fight Planeswalkers. They're good against Luminarch Ascension, which is typically a card that's really good against blue white control. You know, because now even it's just it, it kind of makes removal look silly. It's like you're gonna waste your removal on my one one flyer. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. which I have three more of in my hand or or whatever uh with jace they're fantastic, not only because you can play one, grab three, and then brainstorm with Jace putting two of those back, and then you know you have a, you have the third one in your hand, and you can play it and grab those two more, you know grab them right back out of your deck i mean that's that's a ridiculous interaction there, but um sometimes you know you could have spent all your squadron Hawks. And you've got Jace on the table, and you already know your top few cards of your of your library because you brainstormed already, and you don't have a shuffle effect. But if you have just one Squadron Hawk uh, and the other three are, are, are no longer in your library, uh, you can still play it and fail to find. You know, you shuffle your library. So it's just right. another shuffle effect, another way to make Jace's brainstorm broken. So So that's a great interaction right there. Uh, another interesting thing about that deck is it plays four spell Pierce main and only two mana leak main. Um, actually, only two mana leak anywhere in the seventy-five.
2: I think that's really weird.
0: Yeah, it's pretty nuts. But I mean, they were talking about that last week at the Star City uh, Invitational. Um, Louis Laskin was talking about it, how people play around mana leak but tend to not play around spell Pierce. Um, nope. They, you know, they'll play something into one open mana. Much more readily than they'll play something into uh, into two open mana against a blue deck, you know? So it's really, a, really an interesting situation there when mana leak is actually not worth playing four of. Um, or, or it's arguably not worth playing four of. So uh, one of the more interesting developments coming out of the top eight, or actually going into the whole weekend, um, Brad Nelson has been on a tear pretty much this year. Uh, and he had a pretty heavy lead going into the weekend in the player of the year race. Uh, but Brad actually didn't do so well this weekend, so he didn't really add to that lead. And in the meantime, some of the people that were were able to catch up actually made top eight. Um, Paulo Vitor Dama de Rosa, if he had made the finals, he would have beaten Brad. Uh, Guillaume Matignon was getting up there, and for him to to have a chance at winning Player of the Year. He had to win Worlds, and he won Worlds. So he tied Brad Nelson for Player of the Year. This is the first time this has happened. So uh, we can't have two Players of the Year, so they're going to have a tiebreaker at Pro Tour Paris coming up in February. Hmm. There's a really cool write-up of it by Bill Stark on the uh, on the Wizards site. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes. But I think that's really cool, um, although I was honestly pulling for, uh, for Wafo Tapa to win. Because I I love Wafo Tapa. He's one of my favorite players. Um, And Wafo Tapa did make the finals, but he he lost in the finals to Guillaume Matignon. That was another funny thing. It was a Guillaume versus Guillaume finals, both playing blue black control. (laughs) All Guillaume, all blue black finals. That's weird.
2: You know, the real lesson to be learned um, from Worlds this year is, right? What's that? That Jace is too powerful, needs to be banned. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Just kidding. For sure. I'm kidding, but I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. But I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, but seriously, look, yeah. I mean, there are six of the top eight decks were playing Jace the Mind Sculptor. Right. Which, I mean, shows you that if it's, I mean, if anyone didn't know, Jace the Mind Sculptor is a good card.
0: Yeah. I, I was telling Patrick Chapin on Twitter, like, if only he could attack, he would be really good. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the thing though with that is, uh standard sort of solves itself sometimes just because of the rotation. So yeah. it's almost like by the time they were to, to decide to ban Jace, he'd be about to rotate in a couple of months anyway. You know, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Jace no. is way too important. Um, and Jace that, that, isn't fan worthy. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a topic for another day, but uh, the team competition at worlds, uh, there, it's actually three formats. For those of you who don't know, there's a standard and extended and a legacy. Basically there's three players on a team. One plays the standard matchup, one plays the extended, and one plays the legacy matchup. Uh, Slovak Republic, uh, who were playing blue-black control in standard, fairies in extended, and countertop in legacy, uh, won the team competition over Australia, who were playing uh, basically a mono-green aggro list. It was it was heavy on elves, but it also was playing uh, Wolfbriar Elemental and Vengevine, so it wasn't totally in on the elf plan but uh right so like a mono green aggro in standard pyromancer's ascension in uh in extended which uh, as we know patrick chapin was talking about a little bit last week on mm-hmm. uh, on episode 48 um and then merfolk in legacy so interestingly both of those players in uh in legacy found it uh i guess they, they decided not to play survival in legacy one of the things people have been saying about survival is that it's not As dominant in european legacy tournaments uh both of these teams are not you know they're not they're not u.s teams so maybe survival is really only dominant or only as dominant in the united states uh as compared to outside the united states obviously australia is not european um, but maybe survival is only this dominant in the united states and that could be it but I'd like to see still what happens. Um, I think they were looking at worlds to determine whether or not to ban survival. We'll we'll find out pretty soon. Um, also, this weekend was the Magic Online Championship Series, which uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is so cool. They they play online. Um, the finals ended up being Carlos Romeo. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Carlos Romeo playing Blue Black Control versus Akira Asahara playing Valakut. Um, and uh, they play the game online but right in front of each other. So there's this great image in the coverage of, of both players just sitting at, at separate tables next to each other staring at computer screens. And it's just so funny to think these guys are playing against each other. They're, they're six feet away from each other and they're, they're playing through the computer. So uh, I just found that really entertaining.
2: It's an odd picture
0: yeah it 's just odd knowing that they 're playing against each other if you didn 't know they were playing against each other it wouldn 't be such an odd picture but um, Carlos Romeo actually was uh the world champion in two thousand and two i believe with a uh, a tog deck mm. if your favorite
2: yeah my favorite
0: yeah so um we did we mentioned some breakout cards in standard um, being Grave Titan and Squadron Hawk and, of course, Blue Black Control being the the deck of the tournament, at least as far as the top eight is concerned, and even the, um, you know, the the Magic Online Championship Series. Um, Extended, have you seen the Extended Necrotic Ooze deck?
2: No, but I've heard that it's pretty awesome.
0: The deck name is Ooze and Oz. It's awesome. (laughs) Uh, 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 uh. And not only is Necrotic Ooze in there, but, like, Acidic Slime is in there. Uh, Who else but Conley Woods would come up with such a... You know, would come up with this sort of deck. Uh, it's it, Sam Stoddard was saying on Twitter that it breaks Moto because it's, <laughs> it's, it's got like uh, multiple ways of producing kind of like infinite combos, like infinite mana, infinite uh, power and toughness uh, on a creature. For those of you who want to see how it works exactly, Conley did a deck tech with uh, Brian David Marshall. On the uh, on the official coverage, and we will link that in the show notes, of course. Um, but just to give you an idea, it's got four Fauna Shamans, one Thornling, one Molten-Tail Masticore, Grim Poppet, Shriek maw. It's got a lot of one-of creatures. One Masked Admirers, um, two Makeshift Mannequins, two Primal Commands, four Birds of Paradise, uh, four thoughtsees, four Necrotic Ooze, four Devoted Druids, um, and then uh, four Fulminator Mage, two Kitchen Finks. Basically, he's able to use Necrotic Ooze and uh, Fauna Shaman. Fauna Shaman dumps creatures in the graveyard, obviously. So, if you, for example, use Fauna Shaman to ditch a Molten Tail Masticore and search up a Necrotic Ooze, your Necrotic Ooze is now a Molten Tail Masticore. You know, it's got the Molten Tail Masticore activated abilities just from, you know, that card. Um, So, right away, like the engine. The possibilities with this are just ridiculous. If you have a Fauna Shaman, you can pretty much build a Fauna Shaman and a creature. You can just decide where you want to go right away from there. You know, because you ditch whatever creature you have to get whatever piece you need. Um, It's pretty disgusting. There's Quill Spike, which, if you remember, there was a Quill Spike devoted druid combo back uh, a few years ago. Right when, when Morning Tide and Shadowmoor were in standard, um, Quill Spike is a one-one for two and either a green or, or a black. Um, it's pay a green or a black and remove a minus one minus one counter from a creature you control. Quill Spike gets plus three plus three until end of turn. So with this and Devoted Druid, which has um, tap to add a green to your mana pool and put a minus-one, minus-one counter on it to untap it. With these two together, you can add a green with Devoted Druid, um, put a minus-one, minus-one counter on it. It's an O2, so it doesn't die right away. Uh, and untap the Devoted Druid, m- remove the minus-one, minus-one counter with Quill Spike to give Quill Spike a plus-three, plus-three until end of turn, and, uh, and you use the green that you generated with the Devoted Druid to pay for the Quill Spike activation. So these two together, you can just do that infinitely. You know, you you add the green, you you, uh, add the green, add the counter, pay the green, remove the counter. Now you've got Quill Spike is a 4-4, and you can do it as much as you want. So what happens when Necrotic Ooze has both abilities on itself? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty sick. So, of course, Conley would come up with a deck like this. Um, So check out that deck tech. Also this weekend, they spoiled two more cards from Mirrodin Besieged. Have you seen these? mm mm-hmm. yeah. Um, both in the vein of Paladin Envec, which, of course, was an Exodus card that was reprinted in 9th edition and 10th edition. Um, Paladin Envec, it was a what is it, white, white, one for a 2-2 first strike protection from black and red.
2: Yeah, I think so. That's
0: that sound right? So, yeah, these guys are pretty similar to that, uh, kind of along those same lines. We have Mirrodin Crusader, which is a white, white, and one for a 2-2. Creature Human Knight, rare. It's got Double Strike, protection from black and from green. And uh, then we've got Phyrexian Crusader, which is black, black, one for a 2-2. Creature Zombie Knight, rare. First Strike, protection from red and from white, and Infect. So, pretty interesting cards. They're obviously, they're, they're solid cards. Uh, I don't think they're anything ridiculous, and I don't think, uh, but, but they're definitely playable. I mean, Paladin Envec was pretty popular, and the fact that we've now seen these along with uh what was it pierce strider and peace strider yeah um the the theory that the whole set will be kind of uh for forexian mirror image i think is it's a lot a lot more weight to that theory now
2: that was my theory yeah that
0: that was a theory that you had i know i remember but uh i what what do you think of that what do you think if if the whole set is like that cool <laughs> yeah I wonder how they're going to do it. I, it's here's the thing. I think it's neat, and of course, I'm I'm open to any possibility. I, I want to see how they do it before I judge. After seeing four cards or, or whatever, uh, but um, I, for whatever reason, this makes me think back to you know 2003 when it was like this whole set is going to be all creatures with Legion, or,
2: yeah, with uh, legions, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I, that set was like a failure. Now, this isn't all creatures, but, or at least we hope it's not, but it's like, it's almost too cute. Like, I wonder if it's going to be too almost vanilla because they're trying to like, you know, they kind of make half a set and then just make the other half the the dark half, you know, or whatever, the light version of the same cards. Is it going to be kind of boring? Because, well, really, even though there's 145 cards or whatever, there's really only, you know, 70 through, 72 and a half. That would, right. that would be awesome <laughs> 72 and a half well, there's one split card <laughs> it's got Mirren and Fletcher oh and god that'd card. be great um but uh, I'm curious to see what they do I just wonder uh, I wonder how it's gonna work <laughs> alright uh, just on to a couple shout outs wanted to mention on quietspeculation.com they have a an ebook for sale by Stephen Menendian um it's called Understanding Gush and it is a uh yeah, a book basically about vintage uh, Stephen Menendian specialty um, if you're interested it is uh, you can get 10% off of the book with the coupon code yo MtG 10 so yo MtG 10 um, special coupon code for any yo MtG tabs listeners uh, the book is 899. Um, so, so definitely check that out. I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. I did get it. And, um, you know, as, as many of you know, I'm not a vintage player, but I'm really interested in, in reading it and checking it out. Um, I have it on my Kindle now, but uh, I haven't actually gotten a chance to read it. So once I do, I'll certainly mention, uh, mention what I think of it. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, for those of you who were looking at some of the Star City coverage, uh, last weekend uh, at Richmond you may have noticed Evan Irwin wearing an Academy West sweatshirt um, basically uh, Justin Treadway who is uh, a Twitter personality who he kind of he kind of does some magic art uh, cartoonish kind of thing sort of like inkwell looter does uh, who we've mentioned on the show before uh, Justin actually created some magic t-shirts that that uh, I think they're really cool. Uh, this one is a hoodie. It's Academy West, and for those of you who don't get the reference, it's a reference to Telerio West. If you want to check those out, you can visit his website at othersideoftheplanet.wordpress.com. All right, now it's time to announce our contest winners. Uh, the first contest for the Scars of Mirrodin intro deck and a pre-release promo foil worm coil engine. Uh, Joe, your choice was?
2: My choice was David Nizimov. I chose him because um, he's rocking the YMTG tap shirt at Max's in, on Broadway. I mean, he's a, he's at a bar in Baltimore, which is you know I don't know. To me, I'm a homer all the way, so that's a great way to represent us. Not to, then. Now uh, the other thing is the fact that David's a badass because not only is he rocking his YMTG tap shirt at a bar. But like David's married. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if his wife took this picture of him rocking our yoMtG Tap shirt at the bar. And you know, I like—I just liked the picture. I liked the—it uh, seemed spontaneous. You know, I mean, it didn't seem like he was like, "Oh, let me, you know, throw this on and take a picture real quick." He was like, "I'm out, I'm out at the bar, and you know, let me snap a picture while I'm here." He just happened to be rocking our shirt. Right, you know, which is which is which is great. It means yeah. he's, means he's wearing our shirt. Uh,
0: my choice was Tim McLaren, who posted a uh, an image of him in a. In a card frame, uh, he kind of put some more effort into it to kind of make a, a card called Shameless Promotion, which costs Blue Blue 1 Enchantment Aura. It's an enchant creature. Uh, when Shameless Promotion enters the battlefield, reveal any number of objects bearing the Yo! MTG Taps logo, put a plus three, plus three counter on enchanted creature for each object revealed in this way. And then the, uh, flavor text is, I want my MTG, uh, and quoting himself there, Tim McLaren. So, uh... I mean, it, it's a pretty cool picture. It's a pretty cool card. Uh, I like the flavor text. And uh, he put it in a blue card frame, so that's already extra points for that. So so congratulations, guys. Um, our other contest, which was the, uh, the big, big contest, was for the Scars of Mirrodin Metal Lunchbox, which, uh, which will include a YoMTG MTG Tafts t-shirt uh, for the iTunes reviews. So uh, the winner of our iTunes review contest is Asher1127. Congratulations
2: congrats
0: that's all we got this week stay tuned for the interview so uh so this is uh joey pasco here with big head joe of course and uh we're here with mike turian who is a hall of fame member and also works for wizards of the coast hey mike hello so uh tell us a little bit about what you do for wizards
3: at wizards uh I was in R&D, uh, re- which is research and development, uh, from 2004 until, like, nine months ago. And nine months ago, I went up into organized play, and I've been uh, working with some future programs, like with mirrored and Besiege, the faction mm-hmm. pa- packs, we're, we're doing that. We're going to launch a, a mirrored and Besiege War League, which is going to kick off with the launch party. You can come and play your launch party deck, and then keep playing that in a league uh, atmosphere, which should be fun, because you pick a side. You know, Frexians, you pick a side, you're like, oh, I'm Frexian, and whenever you beat a Mirren player, you get a sticker, you get to put it up on the poster, and the poster's kind of a... The poster's a tug-of-war, right? And so, you know, the Frexians are going marching one way, and the Mirren's are coming the other, and, and so it's a battle. So, uh, programs like that, I've been working on, the Grand Prix at Paris, uh, along with the Pro Tour, was, uh, was my idea. I can't, So, you know, because that's one thing, like... We've always been like, oh, the Pro Tour happens and it's this awesome experience and we want more and more people to to see the best players in the world and to interact with them and engage with them, which is a big reason I come out and do gunslinging. And so bringing the Grand Prix to Paris is just a great way because Grand Prix in Europe are getting 2,000 plus people, mm-hmm. right? And then you put on top of that, you know, another 400-ish people in the Pro Tour, and that's 2,500 people playing in a premier level magic events in the same weekend, plus the fact that there's Tons more side events, public events that people can really enjoy. So, yeah. uh, doing doing more things like that. Within R and I, I was the lead developer of Scars. I was the lead developer of uh, Worldwake, Conflux, Future Sight, uh, Morning Tide. Right. Plus, I mean, pretty much I've either been a playtester or uh, a developer, or I've done a little design on every census set since Ravnica.
0: Wow. So, with uh, being in development, that's has something. I mean. What development does is takes takes the design, right, and then and then kind of tweaks the design somewhat to maybe power level kind of things. Is that pretty much?
3: Well, I mean, it. I think that's definitely the general impression and a, a, a reasonable representation. the The design process at Wizards takes anywhere between a year, like nine months to a year, six maybe for a smaller set maybe six months, and so they do a lot of of laying the foundation of the set, right? When Mark Rosewater gave me Scars Mirrodin, for instance, it had, in fact, in the set, right? And all during that time, I'm giving him little tidbits and trying out different things. But but at the same time, I mean, development does make pretty big changes. Like the Planeswalkers, a a lot of times, you know, you can call them little tweaks, but little tweaks make a big difference, right? Uh, You know, and so we'll come up with new abilities for the Planeswalkers, we'll do things like, you know, I, I was the one to put Mir into uh, Scars of Mirrodin because, you know, we really wanted to go back to that Mirrodin-feeling set and what does that better than the Mir? Um, you know, the development process also takes uh, about, it's about a six-month window of time where we're really, you know, making sure that limited is is fun, making sure that constructed is going to be fun for people. Uh, making sure that the cards work the way we think they work and that they work within the rules, right? You, you see a card like uh, uh, Elspeth or... Sorry, not Elspeth, uh, Koth or Venser, and getting emblems to work. And, and for a long time, I wasn't sure that they were going to work, right? And so that was a lot of work with uh, Mark Gottlieb and Mark Gottlieb and editing, which is Del Lago, and the rules team to make sure that, like, emblems are, emblems are going to work because we've never... Had done anything like that, right and, and then there's, I mean a, a lot goes into it, I'll say that right, Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I could, I could yeah. go on
2: <laughs> so you said, that, you know, you, you test each set to make sure that standard, or st- constructed is going to be fun, yeah. how do you feel about the state of standard right now, I mean, it feels like there's a lot of ramp decks, it feels like there's a lot of titans, like the, the running joke that we keep saying is that like you know, the format's wide open, you can play any titan you want so I mean, I mean, how do you? I mean, was that was that intentional, um, or 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 you know, were you trying to swing things kind of closer to like you know more of the big splashy creature spells, or um, was it something you didn't foresee? So, first of all,
3: I, I'm pretty happy with the the state of standard right now. I mean, I, I agree there are, are a lot of ramp decks you can play. You can also play, you know, you know you're, oh, I'm going to play white equipment. Right, I'm gonna play I'm red, that right now. <laughs> yeah, like I, I've seen black red and black vampires. I've yeah. seen uh, uh, red white, you know, red white beatdown is still a very popular deck, and that deck doesn't have any spell I think that costs more than two. in it, right, yeah.
2: maybe, maybe you know. It's, Let me be clear, I'm not complaining right. about oh, the standard. And, 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 like, right. I, I like standard right now too. I mean, I'm I'm a little more focused on limited right now, and like um, I don't know why. I mean, like I think. I think Maybe I'm a little bored with standard, but I don't think it has anything to do with not liking it. I just have been on a limited kick, I think, more than anything else. Um, but you know, I mean, it is, uh, there's a notice. There's been a noticeable shift, you know, in like in the kind of decks that are playing and winning right now. That's, yeah, I
3: mean the the thing I'd like to see more of in standard is I'd like to see a little more scars being played. I I, I feel as though uh, you know scars with only being one set versus the Zendikar block having three sets behind it. It's, it's really giving Zendikar a sort of a, a little bit of an edge up. I mean, I've, I've seen, like, the, re- the red beatdown deck being played with Moxes and... <laughs> the of Red. Yeah, Cladotha mm-hmm. Red. Right. And so, and, and I think that Scars definitely has some untapped potential that, that I hope people go explore and try to uh, to really find out because that's that's how you're going to win at Magic and have a good time at Magic is going, finding the new thing. In terms of the the expensive spells, and the expensive spells being good, I mean, that's definitely something uh, R&D has definitely been pushing towards, is, I mean, you can see it with Coil Engine and the Titans, I mean, these are, are, I mean, among the best uh, six mana creatures ever printed, right? Agreed. Without a doubt. With that being said, we also have put in Mana Leak to say, well, if you're going to pay six mana there's a good two mana counter for you right and so i I mean i have no problem the way the metagame is moving the thing i really like is oh if you're somebody who's new to standard if you're if you're new to constructed if you you've only been playing magic it's a magic that's you know very relatable like when somebody sits you down and they're like oh it's about creatures it's about attacking you know here's how planeswalkers work and then you go and play standard it's actually you know what it's represented Right, right. It's not like, well, here's my four card combo, and <laughs> you don't even understand how it works because you know. I mean, the things I'd like to avoid more are time save, no, uh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, like 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 body double, body double Revelar, mm-hmm. right, uh, and Mirendi, uh, and it's like, oh well, it's like I'll oh, stack the triggers this way, and yeah. you know, and, and of course, don't get me wrong, we definitely like some of that in Magic. I just don't want to see that as like. Like if you're like oh it's gonna be forty percent of the meta game, I'd much rather have Jun be forty percent of the meta game yeah. than a combo deck where you have to explain to every person you play the exact intricacies of the combo. Yeah. Right now, of course, we didn't we don't want Jun to be forty percent either. Like it was, uh, you know, three four months ago. But I mean, it's all at the same time. We don't have control. We we make cards and we we have our ideas and people do with them what they
2: what they will. Right. Um, do you have any like any weight? You know, do you have any weight in like banning and restricting of cards? Um, did you ever consider because you know John did really take over the game for a while? Did you consider banning maybe Bloodbraid Elf or anything like that? I'm just kind of curious, like.
3: Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm on the. I'm definitely involved in uh, the banning and restricting of, of cards. Uh, I used to lead the, the team. That did that. I, I no longer do now that I'm up in organized play, and in fact, that shift happened uh, even even earlier uh, before before I went up into organized play. I just step back and, and let uh, another member take over. In terms of John, and it's like I mean, anytime a deck gets as big as John, you know, or as big as Fairies, we we sit down and we take a hard look and say, like, you know, are we making the world better for? if we end up banning a card or, in, in vintage, restricting a card. But I'll just say ba- yeah, banning for sure. Right? And the, the challenge always with standard is standard rotates very quickly, right? So, you know, a set like M11 comes out, and, okay, did it have an effect on John? Did it not have an effect on John? And then we know, of course, that Scars of Mirrodin is going to have a very big effect on John <laughs> right. because of the rotation of... of
2: Shards, but you realize you made it the most consistent deck in the format, though, right? Yeah. In, in standard, after when Scars came out, because now Jund is the most because you go turn one Savage Lands, Judge, game loss, and every,
3: every <laughs> right. time it's just how it works. Right. That's, if that's how people want to play Jund, I'm not. Gonna, I, w- I wouldn't encourage that, but you know we, we don't have many ways to stop that. So sort of I, I think banning cards would only get those guys in more trouble. They're like, oh,
1: uh,
3: right. So I mean, that, that's re- really a, a big challenge with standard is. You know, we, we certainly followed Jun's progression, but if uh, right when Alara Reborn came out, Jun wasn't the best deck right then. It, it took towards M um, ten and Zendikar for Jun to really be building up steam. I, I think by Zendikar it had really hidden its stride because it had less competition once again. Right, right. I mean, fairies the f- disappeared. Fairies disappeared. The format the format sh- shrank, and you know, and then we're always looking at the next set, saying, "Oh, you know, I mean." Like, we knew Searing Blaze was coming out, which would make the red decks better, and maybe red would be done, because... And so, I mean, that's really the challenge with Standard, is it rotates very quickly, and, you know, by the time we get enough data and there's enough feedback from people, it's like, well, do we want... Do we Should we take action? Or maybe Rise of the Eldrazi will will answer it, right? We knew Vengevine was coming in Rise of the Eldrazi-type type attitude. So... That, I mean that—that's really the big challenge with standard. Right, it's
0: almost—it's like by the time something gets out of hand, it's—it's it's, there's like limited amount of time for it to even exist in standard. You know, like you said with John, it wasn't even—it uh, wasn't even that big until Zendikar came out, so it okay. wasn't like it was dominating, you know, forever. But uh,
3: so, and, and one of the things we definitely like is the fact that you know, like you were talking about, oh, you. You know, if you grow tired of Standard, maybe you go and play some more Limited for a while while you know, while you wait for your, your battery to recharge, as mm-hmm. it were, right? Or, you know, now there's Extended, which has... It's like, well, now you can go back and play some of the older decks, and you sort of get that satisfaction because, you know, if Jund is good in Standard, it's probably going to be reasonable in Extended, mm-hmm. but you just have, you know, two years plus uh, more worth of weapons t- to fight with it.
2: I, have to, yeah. I, I just have to say, I love the change to Extended. I love limiting the card pool a little bit more. I just love the fact that it's going to, like, really... I feel like it's going to help more people get into that format because, like, it seemed really daunting to someone who mostly plays standard. It's like, oh, man, now i got to go back, like, five years to get cards. Like... At least it's like my deck just rotated. I can still actually play it for another two years. You know what yeah. I mean? And I can even dig back a year and find like some cool cards to add to it from like older sets. Mm-hmm. And that's real. I think that's really easy for someone to adapt a deck. I mean, I think it might allow for pet decks, which isn't always the best idea. But like you know, um, it, it, I think it's a really great
3: change. Uh, just, well, I, I'm glad. I'm glad that you liked it so much. And I definitely think that you know, you're, you're definitely in the majority. People really have responded to the new extended in a much better way. I, I mean, extended was at this point where it was uh, before this change and before the change before. It was rotated every five to seven years. Or extended would be five to seven blocks big. Mm-hmm. And so at the time, we knew that that wasn't the right way to do it because it's just really confusing, Yeah. right? We like the fact that standard every year... It, it rotates over, and it's a very clean transition. Where Extended didn't have that. It's just like, oh, is it six blocks worth or seven blocks worth or five blocks? I don't know. How does do you find out? Does the corset
2: rotate out this year? Yeah, does yeah. How not? does the
3: corset rotate? <laughs> right, exactly. And so we knew we made it, needed to make a change. And at the time, we felt like, okay, there was two directions to go. We can make it, you know, we essentially we're going to set it at a year marker, right? And what should it be? Should it be at the time we're considering five to seven? that's what extended traditionally was and we decided uh with our goals with extended that seven would be the best we wanted it to be a midpoint between standard and and legacy and Mm -hmm. so making it a big format was you know would do a better job of making it a midpoint Mm -hmm. the thing was is it just it that didn't catch on It, it sort of felt as though it had a lot of the same issues as the standard or the extended we were trying to fix and uh, but with this four-year rotation, I, I think that we've really you know, done a much better job. It-, it is more like, oh, I'm playing this Jund deck, and now I can go keep playing it, right? Because, But before it was, oh, I'm playing fairies, and now do I play fairies and extended? Well, you know, I'm competing against Affinity. I'm competing against that. It, it was competing against so much that-, right. that really the decks didn't look similar enough, it- it- right?
2: Uh, another que- uh, question with that since um, since extended is now almost like some people will call it like double standard, double standard. you know since since it's kind of like a, a smaller format and um, I would you know with a smaller card pool and probably a little more accessible are have you th- considered like adding it as an FNM format because I think I would I would be really interested in you know, maybe because I'm a TO and I think like every like month or two I'd be interested in trying to do an extended FNM and I know right now you can just do like you know Standard sealed booster draft, two-headed giant, and then you know two-headed giant variants so on standard and sealed.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that uh, going forward, you'll you know not not say starting tomorrow, but I, I definitely think that extended will probably will uh, open up to be included in the FNM repertoire because of exactly that. I mean, we want to see if it's a format that you know builds up that critical mass that right. and, and people really enjoy and. um and FNM w- would be a good place for that, to try it.
2: Absolutely. I mean, as, a, as a TO, like, I'm ready and willing to support the format. You know what I mean? It's one yeah. of those formats that excites me. Like, I'll never run a Legacy tournament. I just don't care enough. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, to me, the format is just really, like, it's really, I don't know, combo-heavy. It's really, like, to me, it just seems. From an outsider's perspective, but maybe, you know, I'm sure my perspective's a little skewed. But, like, it just seems like a really, like, combo-heavy kind of, like, almost vintage in the way that it's just like... It's I way tougher it. to get into too. I was
0: just going to say, right. like, with, with, if we had extended FNMs, people could play their standard decks and and still compete, but you try right. to play a standard deck in the Legacy event, and you're not really going to have much much chance of doing you're gonna well.
2: You're going to get rolled over, and <laughs> you're going to look foolish.
3: Right. I mean, we definitely want FNMs to be accessible. Right. Right? And... I mean, and that's how come you don't see vintage F and M's, right? Because it's like that's, that's just not accessible enough, right? I, I want you to be able to, oh, you you have a deck and you're looking to play uh, on a Friday night that, you know, in, in your community there's there's multiple viable options, right? And, and that you think, yes, I can go do this. Or if you don't have all the cards built up, you know, over the course of a week or a month, you can go and and build your deck at, uh, you know, in a reasonable fashion. So, and I think that Extended uh, definitely starts to offer that a lot more now
2: than it did uh, previously. I have one more question for him and then okay, any other questions. He's on the yeah, road. Yeah, I yeah. am. <laughs> I, usually, I usually sit here and let Joe ask, ask the questions a lot of times, but I just <laughs> I keep coming up with questions. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, obviously I'm not asking you to uh, let the cat out of the bag, as it were but um, there's been a lot of talk lately about um, about banning survival in Legacy. And um, I would say lots of different writers have kind of... People have been presenting percentages yeah, and a lot all of these data. different right. data about the fact... like like Pretty much leading to the conclusion that you guys will probably ban it. <laughs> now, I'm not asking you, are you going to ban it? What I'm asking you is, as a player, do you feel like survival of the fittest should be banned? As a player... Well, I, I can tell you...
3: That um, As of right now, I mean, yes, survival is, I mean, you know, we read, so we've definitely (laughs) seen all of the uproar, but we were definitely coming to, uh, we're going to reach conclusions following worlds in in terms of which way we're going to go in terms of that, so... You know, I couldn't sit here and say one way or the other what, what our decision was, because I, I can tell you we had something made. Um, in, in terms of, as a player, I mean, Survival has always been one of my favorite cards, right? <laughs> so, and so, but I'm also thinking back to when I would play, like, Survival Recur, right? Which was, you know, 10 plus years ago or more, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, and so now it's just a question of, well, with Vengevine, has Survival been pushed over the top, right? And also Farnish Shaman gives it some amount of... Um, you know, gives you survival five through eight if you're going to mm-hmm. uh, play that many, right? And so that plus Vengevine, I mean, the the important thing to us with a, a format like Legacy is that it remains fun and it remains, you know, and there's some amount of diversity. And has survival crossed that line? I don't know, but we'll, I mean, we'll definitely uh, be discussing it and, and come to a conclusion one way or the other.
2: Right, worlds, yeah, worlds yeah, I mean, it, a good time
3: to... Yeah, I mean, I mean, with the world championships, you know, I mean, I think it's great that Star City is running so many Legacy events. It's really just, I, I think, revived Legacy even more so. I mean, I, Legacy was already on the upswing and just, you know, he, having a year's worth of, of big uh, Legacy tournaments just, you know, I, I mean, it's I think it's great for the format.
2: I'm sure it helps you guys, too, come up, you know, come reach conclusions on certain things like the Mystical Tutor, for instance, you know.
3: Right, yeah, You, know, you exactly. have more data to work yeah, with. You have, more, I, yeah, I mean, you have a lot more data to work with. You have a lot more people interested in the format. I think that you get more websites talking about the format which just you know I mean that's that's always a, a challenge is you know making sure that we are hearing the players feedback in that we go in a direction that they actually want us to go in right so sometimes people think they want something and actually want something else right <laughs> and so and so you know getting that message distilled down to uh, what I'll call the, the right answer it can be a challenge. Just one more
0: question. Sure, you can ask me. Did that. you, did you guys, uh, did you guys kind of expect Jace to be what he is? And I don't mean Jace Bellerin I mean you, Jace, the, some, mind Jace the Mind like,
3: Sculptor. Like, so, so one of the big—I mean, I, I'm sure if you ask your your listeners, like, Jace is most likely their their favorite planeswalker. Like it. When Lorwyn came out, Jace was the number one uh, rated planeswalker by the players. Jace remains number one. I, I always enjoy when they're like, "Oh, do you want your picture next to Jace or Chandra?" They do this a lot of time for top eights, yeah. and like seven out of eight mm-hmm. competitors choose Jace. Now, with that being said, I mean, I, I think that you know, Jace was in terms of Magic, the Magic brand, Jace was just. A very important role. We wanted him to be an awesome planeswalker. Creative came to me and said, "Jace should be an awesome planeswalker. J- uh, you know, he should be the real deal." And you know, I, I really took that directive to heart. I mean, I, I knew that uh, he was going to be the cornerstone piece of Worldwake, right? It's like World Worldwake was going to be remembered on Jace. Um, you know, whether or not he was uh, well well received or not, and. So, and we also knew that he was going to have four abilities, and that he was going to be the first Planeswalker to have four abilities, which I, I think puts him already in a, a class by himself compared to the other Planeswalkers. So with all of those things going on, I mean, you know, we set out to... Uh, and and it, was, it was mainly the development team. You know, I got lots of all submissions for people, individual Planeswalker abilities, and, um, and Jace's Ingenuity, we were actually trying out a, a Brainstorm variant in uh, M eleven, thank you. Uh, I've already worked on M twelve since then. Right. So, so, uh, uh, so Jason's ingenuity was going to be a brainstorm variant, and th- and that's really a big reason why I put the brainstorm onto Jason because I thought it'd be really cool if you could. Cast his own, you know, named spell. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, you've seen this with like Liliana Specter, right? She she casts her own named right. spell with the Specter. He like cast the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and I really just enjoyed that. And so, and I knew Brainstorm was going to be a powerful ability. I knew on Summon, I mean, Planeswalkers that protect themselves. That's big. I really enjoy the uh, the Scry, yeah. you know, or the or the Fate Seal mechanic. I mean, it has both, sort of combined there. and, and so it's like, yeah. I mean. I didn't have a doubt that Jace was going to be a, a play tournament card. Now, did I think it would reach the heights it has reached? No, I, I didn't expect that. But, I mean, that's, like I said, we, we make the cards, and then people yeah. people do what they will with them, right? I mean, you know, like Nissa, for instance, it's like, I mean, it saw, it saw some tournament play, but uh, yeah. relatively little, especially compared to what Jace saw. Yeah. <laughs> Significantly less. <laughs> but at the same time, had Nyssa had... You know, plus one more loyalty, or had Searing uh, searing Blaze not done what it did, right? I mean, there's all sorts of changes where it's like, I mean, because well, the worst thing is you go get a Nissa's Chosen, and they get Searing Blaze, and Nissa dies. And you're like, well, it's like, <laughs> how come I'm playing Nissa? But if right. Nissa has plus one loyalty, then you would just have said, well, I'll go get another Nissa's Chosen. Right. Right? And so just those, those small little touches uh, really, really affect. Uh, an environment, and when we made Nissa, steering blades hadn't been made yet. So, I mean, you could definitely see the the world going in alternate alternate routes.
2: Right. Hmm. It's cool. such a small change, you know. Yeah, you I mean? know. Right. Just
0: that one one loyalty can make a big difference. Right, it can yeah. make a, it can
3: make a huge difference. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for uh, for taking the time to be on our podcast. Sure. We appreciate it. Yeah, it was good um, talking to you guys. Hey, Shaheen.
1: Hey, is hey, it working?
0: I, yeah, it's working. I can hear you hear you pretty well. So uh all right, now on the line we have uh Shaheen Sarrani. Shaheen uh is uh a writer for Star City Games. So the uh the column is called The Icy Grip. Also came in second place at the Richmond Open just last weekend. So first of all, congratulations on that, Shaheen.
1: I appreciate it.
0: Um so uh I guess just to start off what's uh what's the story behind the the nickname the expensive sorcery master
1: um it's disputed, but uh I'll give you the actual truth I was uh getting ready for deck tech at uh pro tour Amsterdam with um b d m and company, and before me was Kai budde um doing his deck tech. And, you know, I was just making jokes about how his screen had up there, you know, 50,000 Pro Tour top eights and best player of all time and all these things. Right. And this is my, I got to follow him up. So um, I was just kidding around. And uh, Gabriel Nassif was sitting there also. And I was showing him uh, my deck and he was going through it and criticizing, um, commenting on the expensive sorceries in the deck. So kind of gave the name Expensive sorcery master. Just because cards like you he, he flipped through and he saw, like, um, Thought Hemorrhage. He's like, why not Duress in the main deck? Because I'm playing Extended with three Thought Hemorrhage in the main to go along with all the other ridiculous expensive sorceries in the deck, too. But it turned out pretty well in that tournament. But that's where the nickname came from.
0: I see. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, I just remember hearing about that and not actually knowing, you know, what the... Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Kai actually was, you know, when I was setting the deck up, he was looking through because I beat his friend who uh, won nationals, and he's playing the same 75-card deck as Kai. He won German nationals, and Kai's flipping through, and they're speaking German, 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 he gets to... This main deck uh, thought Hammer, and he says the F word, <laughs> like what the F. <laughs> so I understood that, and right. he, you know, and then he proceeds to tell me how how do you how'd you beat the, how'd you lose this deck talking to his friend, and he's like doesn't look like hes stand a chance, but it's actually one of my best matchups in that tournament.
0: So uh, so so last weekend at Richmond, a lot of people were talking about uh, kind of a, a resurgence of blue white and. Obviously, you you did well with it. Um, also, Lewis Laskin was playing a blue-white list in uh, in the Invitational. He was playing more of a traditional list, but he was going with like uh, a lot of tumble magnets, a lot of. Um, he, he actually played precursor golem in the sideboard, which was mm. kind of kind of an interesting choice.
1: Sounds interesting. I'll definitely you know, take a look at it. And yeah, I always assume when I say blue-white, it's going to follow the same. Condemn and you know ton of spot removal preordained lists that i'm not a big fan of, but um oh yeah, i will definitely take a look if it's got some cool stuff like that in it.
0: yeah it's interesting because it's kind of like uh in any standard format, once blue white becomes an entity at all, it just it, there's like maybe five cards difference between a lot of lists, like everybody just kind of sticks with the same same pattern, and along those lines, um when people started playing preordain, you've made it known that that's not something that you are uh, that you agree with, even though that seems to be like a stock card. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, you and Kyle Sanchez and uh, I- I'm not sure who else is on that, on team, uh, torn up
1: preordain, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> not many people, actually. So,
0: so uh, I- I'm actually curious just to hear a little bit more. I'm, I'm sure you've been asked about it plenty. Um, just a little bit why you feel like preordain isn't necessary in blue-white control.
1: Yeah. Um. I'd also, to start off, just to kind of preface that, it's Preordain is not a bad card, and you know I have people that have emailed me or um, Twittered me and asked me, uh, you know why don't why do you hate Preordain? And you know it's an awesome card, blah blah yada, and I go on to tell them, you know, it it has its spots, and like it's a staple in combo and uh, Pyromancer Ascension, it's not too bad in blue black. And not too bad in the three-color control decks like Rug and um, Bug and those things. But in Blue-White, um, as Sanchez will tell you, he's a little more vulgar when he describes in his articles <laughs> about why you shouldn't play Preordain. And just to be more you know, um, academic about it, it's just Blue-White doesn't have the room for it. And removing a land for Preordain or removing... Uh, 2 your win conditions for a couple more, and removing um, uh, a removal spell, for one, is just it's just the worst idea in the world, and uh, I prove that in my mirrors and testing, that I just out-threat my opponent. Sure, he puts Wrath on bottom, or Dave Judgment on bottom, and then I drop Baneslayer, and then he's got to use other resources to deal with it, you know, and there's, it, the the main argument is, well, in the mirror, you're going to have all these worthless cards, and actually, every card in the mirror is, is usable and used, and uh, there's never a time, I mean, of course, I'd rather have you know, a couple of jaces in my hand, in some scenarios. But for the main, main, um, main part, I definitely you're going to need a day at some point. You're going to need these cards at some point. And um, when you preordain early on, like turn one or two, you end up putting uh, powerful cards, threats on the bottom, or even jaces on the bottom in order to re- to hit land drops when you should have mulligan the terrible hand in the first place. And those are just a couple of reasons. But uh, like, like just. To give it a little summary, Sanchez and I both say, you know, threat density is more important than uh, watering it down one of here, two of here, one of here, and then hoping that preordained will get you to that one of. Um, yeah,
0: I, I definitely play the preordains, but, uh, you know, maybe I'll give it a shot without it and see how it how it rolls.
1: Yeah, Sanchez, and he put it well also. He said, blue eyes is just absolutely insane anyway like the cards are just so powerful that with or without preordain you're going to win with or wi- and he, he criticized my list even he says all oh, it's too top heavy which is you know big surprise there <laughs> um, and he says you know but blue white so you're going to win anyway and um it's just if you want to win mirror matches uh, you shouldn't run preordain i i'm just literally uh, that four of makes me not flawless but near flawless when it comes to testing when i played against it about four times the mirror in recent uh, bigger tournaments and just obliterated each time and you know every time my opponent turn one dance, just dance later it's just a, a relief and i just know that they're they're digging for a card that i'll I, you know I, since i already have the maximum amount of my deck i usually have an answer to and Sanchez and i both play six jaces anyway uh compared to the four to five that the preordain lists list use also so i mean we're gonna win the jace war regardless
0: now um Sanchez played three main deck spell pierce and now that seems like it's caught on as well with Kibler running uh, the four main deck spell pierce in his call go list at worlds not just right. Kibler but you know multiple people playing that list I, I guess Kibler the one who you know, he's become the face of the list just because of his nine and zero record on on day one mm-hmm. um, so I guess is that something that you know how, how do you feel like, how did that come about?
1: I borrowed it from Sanchez and I saw it before and I'm not gonna take credit for Spell Pierce. But in my article I point out that after playing with it, uh it's definitely probably one of the one of the best cards in the deck and it's just Mana League it's mana leak number five, six and seven. Um I don't like Kibler. I think he cut a Manalik. I think he's at three. I um, think he's
0: actually at two.
1: Two, something yeah. like that. Yeah, Manalik, I think that's absolutely wrong. I think Manalik's much better, especially after playing so many rounds with Blue White. Um, but Spell Pierce is definitely right behind it when it comes to his viability. I might play it in an extended matter of fact. That's how good the card is. Uh, wow. just, just by, and, uh, you know, in the finals, I mentioned that I if I. I I can build a deck pretty well and I can test and I can be a little innovative, but when I play I make a few mistakes, especially with mulliganing. And um if I'm mulligan correctly I definitely would have taken down that five K. It's just the uh the definitely the spell pierce has kept me in that finals match, it kept me in all my other ones. Um, you know, the most memorable plays are just the spell piercing, the, uh, the cultivates and it's just, that's, that's actually what happened almost every time. It's always spell pierced, cultivate, yeah. so, and they never see it coming. They know it's in the format. It's just, and you see it's in articles and lists, but for some reason, and this is the way it's always been ever since I started playing magic, that no one ever sees the force play coming. So the, sur- the surprise, you know, how su- surprising the card is combined with, um, able just to be able to play a Jace with one up instead of two up is really powerful.
0: Right on. Um, So uh, speaking about uh, Worlds, what do you think of the standard metagame as it appeared to be in Worlds? Uh, A lot of blue-black showing up, and that was kind of a surprise.
1: Yeah, and I said this actually. This is ancient days, back when – right when Jace was printed. Uh, It feels like ancient days anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the second Jace, that is. And right when it was printed, I, I said I was going to dominate the format. And I don't think... I think playing a deck without Jace severely reduces your chances to win. Um, of course, Efro top with Vamps and Amano Green Eldrazi snuck in there. But, I mean, six control decks with Jace is just... It kind of gives you the summary of what Standard is going to be like for... Until it rotates, what Extended is going to be like. Because Extended had all Jaces around the place, fairies with Jace, you know. Yeah. Um, I think the metagame is just a deck set with Jace, decks with Primeval Titans still usually the the big ones, um, especially for the players playing local tournaments and 5Ks and Mox tournaments. These people that bought four Primeval Titans are going to keep playing Primeval Titans, so don't don't assume that deck's gone. Um, but it's the standard metagame is Jace or Primeval Titan, one or the other. Yeah. Um,
0: last weekend at Richmond, it seemed like Blue Black was kind of, you know, people... We're treating it like it, you know, it was old old news kind of thing, and people were talking more about blue white. So, were you surprised to see blue black kind of show up so much, you know, in such numbers at Worlds?
1: I think, yeah, I think the beauty of article writing and uh, the internet now is that decks become old news after one tournament and then come back as new news after one tournament just because of the success rate. Um, but I think it, they both have their strict. Separation advantages Uh, Blue black obviously is better in the control mirror Or control and ramp based uh, Metagame Where blue white is dominant in the Aggro metagame Um, So depending on what the pros You know obviously worlds is a uh, Is a control metagame It always has been even when aggro is the best uh, People that qualify For worlds want to go and play the control decks Especially play Jace's so In a Jace filled format you're going to want Duress you're going to want um the creeping tar fits, you're gonna want the black uh, benefits. And I would suggest in a five K I would still not play blue black because that's more of an aggro metagame, more of a ramp metagame. Um or excuse me not ramp, but the rug bug metagame. Right. Um and then blue white's better in that format. So you pretty much have to guess, you know Make, it, make an educated guess, but I, I see what you're saying. It's it's funny how a deck becomes old news, like yeah. instantaneous. And you know, I always knew that it's it's just a it's a it's a format defining thing. Like mono green draws. I mean, where that deck come from? That right. deck's dead forever. <laughs> but you know, people are gonna you know, it's a, it's a metagame call in a field of control decks. Um, mono green's obviously better than Velika.
0: Yeah, it was just definitely interesting to see that show up. But last time, I think. I really remember seeing that was Conrad uh, Colos playing it at Nationals. Yeah, that's uh, forever with it. Yeah. So your your column is called the Icy Grip. Uh, that name, I, you know, obviously it, it's applying to kind of like control decks. You're more known for pretty much specifically blue white, or that's kind of just your specialty, or do you kind of go with any blue based control or just control in general?
1: Um, I'd say control in general uh, decks that I've I've built, I guess, created, you could say. Or decks like um, Blink Riders from ages ago. That's the one I played at Worlds. So I I could play a random deck every now and then, but I definitely focus on control, and it's um, usually blue-based control. Or actually, I'd say it's for the last five, six years, always been blue-based control. But um, I just feel, and you know, control players will tell you this—that it's just better every time, all around, yeah. than hacker decks. I just can't stand, and that's where the name Icy Grip comes from. I can't stand playing out a game where I know I'm going to lose anyway, you know, and you know, aggro players, you guys know when the game's over and you're just playing and, and praying. And I just like to have cards. I like to be in control of the game. I like to to win more, win more, win more compared to the scraping for that last point of damage. It's just not me. And I'm just outright bad at playing aggro anyway. And I've, I've played Affinity once and in the tournament and any other tournament plus the most, the most aggro I've ever played was, um, avalanche riders and blink. So, um, definitely more of a control player. Like Amsterdam, I played five CC, uh, fixes control, like, uh, Grixis with kitchen finks. Um, for that masterpieces, Flores will talk about another four color monstrosity with eternal witnesses and gifts and given. And, but it's always going to be control based.
0: yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned about, uh, you know, about kind of being, being the aggro player versus being the control player. And it's kind of like, uh, I mean, I I don't know if this is the way, way it feels to you, but it sounds pretty similar where when you're the aggro player, it's kind of like, you know, you've lost before the game is over and you're just sitting there going, you know, you can tell the other guys taking control, even when he's, you know, at, at, you know, two or three life or something, you're just, you know, you're, you're locked out. And, uh, just a matter of time, and it's I I feel like when when I'm on that end of things, it's kind of such a hopeless feeling. So I know that's one of the reasons I I really like playing control decks as well, where uh, you know I can start off taking some taking a beating at first in the first couple turns.
1: Yeah, and you have an extra resource. Yeah, but your life is a resource. It's like having extra cards where. Uh, you can use your 20 life to, to win the game. And, and, you know, they're, they think they're winning, they're, they're beating you down, but you, you have the chess game uh, view right there and players, you know, that they've come to me and say, you know, you're, you're good at this game. You're better at this game than I am this, that, and the other. And I, I tell them it's just not the case. It's all about um, just look, planning moves ahead and control allows you to do that. Where, I mean, like against the moderate player I played in the in the open series, I mean, I, Game two, I go, you know, turn zero lay line, turn two firewalker, turn three firewalker. I mean, this game is is over, and you know, he plays it out, and I'm at like four thousand life, and you know, it's just it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I can never be on that end of the the other end of the beating there. I just just wouldn't it wouldn't feel right. So that's not why. That's definitely why I call it the icy grip, and it's kind of like a joke with my friends. I'll like put my hand around my throat. I'm like, you feel that, right? You feel the the icy grip <laughs> climbing over you. I'm like, why are you even playing this game still? This game's been over for you know since turn one but uh that's kind of where the name comes from
0: that's pretty funny that's the uh it's it's funny when you you mentioned the core firewalker you know playing you play the firewalker on turn two and the mono red player just is like i don't have i have like one way to deal with that maybe and you're just like well good luck because i'm just gonna you know just gonna kill you now because of the you know the the firewalker just takes it over but uh you kind of feel bad for the other guy
1: yeah, I did. Um, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Play a different deck. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, so th- the last question I had, um, obviously, you know, the the, the metagames of these formats kind of affect each other. Um, now, after Worlds, I fully expect Standard to become even more control-based um, with Blue-Black doing so well. Blue-White, uh, you know, could, could show up, at, you know, kind of like you were saying it. Depending on the uh, the metagame you expect, if you're expecting more aggro, but um, as a control player, I know uh, when when cr- control isn't good, I'm like, oh, I want I want control to be good. I want I want better cards or whatever. I want the metagame to shift so that control is good and that kind of thing. And then when it becomes you know the top dog i kind of go man i wish it wasn't so popular because <laughs> I'm,
1: yeah, i matches. don't want to
0: play all these mirror matches so is that yeah you know, how do you start to feel or how do you feel when control starts to take over a format
1: um i'm super comfortable in the control mirror and i always have i mean like sanchez he he adopted the luminarch ascensions on the board and i always have I always have some kind of insane hoser in the board but for example when Control was dead, um, and I still had a lot of success in Standard. I played Ramp, like, I uh, ramped up to, like, Broodmaid Dragons, and, you know, I always have some, and then all the, all the new Planeswalkers, you know, G- Garak and Johnny, before they were all played, and um, y- you have to adapt, and even though I love Control to death, I'm not going to take it down take my my rating and my success down in a in a burning blaze, trying to force it i mean i 'll burn three pdqs in a row, trying it out, but as far as it goes, you know all year long i won 't do it and that 's when I adopted a ramp and one another pdq based on um uh, kind of like audibleing. so okay. in, in those formats when control of feel has like gone, i 'm wishing for it to get better uh, ramp is the clear audible has been from over the years with even before that with um Koucho and Kai guy played like some crazy ramp deck and did well with that too. Um, but with you know when everyone's playing control, it does get kind of lame and you kind of step back. And you're like, man, I was playing control before all these clowns are playing control. <laughs> and I always think that. And with Moto, everyone's so good at the magic now it, it's it's ridiculous. And you know people say, oh, PDQs are easy and they're not. Uh, these players come equipped and they're they're playing their jaces. They're playing your decks nearly card for card and you know it, it takes. Um, like you said mirror matches it takes a lot of this a lot of the uh randomness and a little bit of skill out of the game and it's, it's depressing but my suggestion to those who want to keep playing control is just make sure you got some some juicy 11 card sideboard which is what i usually do i just bring an 11 and um you know just try to try to beat them with uh, some kind of tech in the board
0: cool sounds good all right well thanks shaheen for uh for joining us this week um your column the icy grip uh, what day of the week is that usually on
1: um since i i teach full-time and i'm kind of busy i ted uh Nixon just tells me to send them whenever i feel like it pretty okay. much but um i try to i try to submit one every two weeks but um if people want like daily or bi-daily uh control updates they can just follow me on twitter um that you'll be able to access me better ask me questions via that and uh was, uh Evan Irwin's got me into into the Twitter world. I just joined up like a week or two ago, so that's where you saw me. But um, yeah, Twitter is is the best place to follow me. And That's uh, if I could say it real quick. Sure, uh, yeah,
3: absolutely.
1: Yeah, Shaheen S H uh, A H E E N M T G is so at Shaheen MTG, and just ask me any questions you got, and um, you know I'll be happy to help you with your lists or help you with uh, any ideas you might want to brew up. Great, thanks again, Shaheen. No problem. Have Take a good care. night. You too. Bye. YoMTG Taps is available every
0: Friday on StarCityGames.com. Visit our website, IWantMyMTG.com, for past episodes, T-shirts, free stickers, and more. You can contact us at Taps at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at EOMTGTaps.